0: Emerging from COVID-19 as a fragile economy with very little protective buffer stocks, what are the main challenges facing South African monetary policy in the near future? Is inflation targeting an appropriate monetary policy framework, given the unprecedented levels of uncertainty? As part of our project, in conjunction with the German Development Cooperation and the International Food Policy Research Institute, we are discussing the latest research by some top academics The research is entitled Sailing into the Wind, Evaluating the Near Future of Monetary Policy in South Africa. Only three times in the last century has monetary policy been reevaluated so deeply. This global pandemic has forced many central banks around the world to use non-conventional frameworks. And the last time we did this much soul searching was after the global financial crisis. He is an economics professor at the University of Pretoria and one of the co-authors of this paper. Today we are joined by none other then, Professor Nicola Riaji. Welcome, Professor. It is a pleasure to have you with us again.
1: Good morning, Margot. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you for joining us. So, before hey, we thank be- you
1: for organizing this, thank you.
0: I'm really excited to see where this research goes. Before we get into the technicalities, could you tell us a little bit more about how you came up with the name of this paper?
1: All right, the first reason, because living in Pretoria, I miss the sea. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time, and now it's almost two years. I don't see the sea, therefore there was this longing for a sea,
0: especially with lockdown.
1: And also, we, I, <laughs> especially with lockdown, but more seriously, uh, because I thought it was a, a nice metaphor. Uh, we, we thought it was a nice metaphor on uh, about the what are the the struggle the monetary policy will have to face going forward. It is sailing into the wind. is just telling us that what we are going to facing is a lot of crosswind, a lot of a lot of uh, risk and uncertainty. And monetary policy has to has to find a path through it. Uh, and the path might not be straight, uh, like sailing into the wind. Can you cannot sail straight into the wind? You have to go uh, zigzag. Therefore, you have to go left and right, keeping the long-term objective. Clear, uh, but find the path through the wind that get you there. It is important of maintaining the the, the, the direction, uh, the the average direction, maintaining the average direction, and having a very strong uh, anchor uh, that yes. uh, that give opposition, that give opposite uh, weight to the uh, to the wind to 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 push you forward. Is really a metaphor that uh, you know, as I said. Because it's a long time that I don't I don't actually do it. I give it to us <laughs> at a time read
0: Yes. Yeah, so but,
1: but I, thought, I thought it was really. A, it was a nice metaphor of of what monetary policy and economic policy in South Africa in the near in the, in the next three to five years is gonna confront. And I thought that build up this paper almost as a research agenda. Yes. what is that we need to know what are the problems and what we need to know to understand
0: very good so the policy we're currently using is inflation targeting and we'll discuss these wins soon after but could you tell us a little bit more about what inflation targeting actually means
1: yes um we start actually the paper talking about how inflation targeting was implemented and a bit about the logic behind inflation target i think yeah, there is a sort of in the South African debate an idea that inflation targeting is some sort of uh, inflation matters so that only target inflation. Why well, instead, inflation targeting comes very as a very pragmatic uh, comes originally from New Zealand uh, in uh, in the '90s as a very pragmatic response to the weaknesses of monetary policy. Therefore, we have tried all different, uh, all different uh, policy strategy, fixed exchange rate, uh, uh, money, money targeting, uh, etc. So we have tried all. And what inflation targeting gives almost define what are the limits, what is the monetary policy can can uh, achieve, uh, what is able to achieve, and build up, therefore, our framework by defining what is a medium, medium-term medium target. And for now, South Africa has got a medium-term target of uh, 4.5% uh, percent of inflation. And therefore, the idea is that, OK, you, you use whatever instrument is necessary to achieve price stability as a two-year horizon. In this context, uh, uh, you have a lot of flexibility to wait to react to shock in a modular manner, uh, to wait for new information before reacting to shock. Therefore, for this reason, for example, is the flexibility together with transparency, accountability of the framework that has been real, the real success. That's why all countries have adopted inflation target. They have abandoned inflation target. The actual inflation targeting is more successful in some sense as a monetary framework in emerging countries where the uncertainty are higher than in the north because they, the federal reserve with the European central bank have very different way to think about uh about monetary policy but this flexibility was is important and i think is the characteristic that we emphasize
0: so when did we introduce this regime and what did we do before was it one of the big shocks that made us Reevaluate monetary policy that made us change to a more flexible approach
1: yes we, you know yeah All right. they, uh, south africa like everybody else has, 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 has uh, uh, ex- experimented with different monetary uh, monetary regime exchange rate a fixed exchange rate was one uh, then uh, at the beginning of the 90s uh, it was more money money targeting traditional as almost Bundesbank uh money targeting money targeting regime. All these regime uh, all the regime actually show they were too rigid. When a shock arrives, this kind of regime don't have enough flexibility built in to allow the economy to absorb the shock. Therefore you have to move in when when you have a fixed change rate, it means that way you have an external shock like COVID, it meant that you will have had to increase the interest rate to I don't know ten percent like Turkey had to do uh, to respond to to the shock. Therefore uh, all these regimes you know are were good in a specific period, but then a new shock arrived and these regime were not able to sustain the shock. The inflation targeting instead, what happened, we have now two shocks that are unprecedented in dimension, the global financial crisis and the COVID. And the inflation target regime is demonstrated to be flexible enough to resist, resist, but also to adapt. There is an, an inherent uh, adaptation uh, framework in inflation targeting. Because how you implement the regime is independent on what the objective of the regime is. And therefore, the way you implement it can change depending on the specific condition of the country, the specific historical condition, et cetera. That that is, I think, uh, why we moved, uh, why South Africa, a lot of emerging countries moved to the inflation targeting regime.
0: Okay. Now, I remember about a year ago, we were talking about quantitative easing or more specifically, yeah. in a South African context, it's the balance sheet policies. What did we learn from that? And how does that fit into the whole inflation targeting regime?
1: I don't know. I think, if, for example, when I would say the adaptation of the system, the example of quantitative easing uh, during the COVID crisis is a good example. Mm. Because not only South Africa, but a lot of other countries, when hit by this big, big shock, started to experiment with different uh, uh, long yield um, uh, curve control or quantitative easing or uh, uh, other uh, direct financing no A lot of emerging countries have had experiments. All these experiments work also because uh, there is no doubt in the market that the application of this policy is temporary to respond to a temporary shock it doesn't change what the long-term objectives are for example quantitative easing uh, 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 you know quantitative easing is this it's simply that the central bank use the power to uh, the balance sheet of the central bank uh, to intervene in markets in asset market to stabilize asset market prices mm. For example, the quantitative easing was used a lot in uh, during, after the global financial crisis in Europe and in U.S. In Europe, to stabilize the bond market. Because you remember, you had the Greek crisis, you had the the, the risk of the Italian crisis, the prices of the of Italian bond were increasing. Mario Draghi came in and said, we will do whatever it takes to save the euro, and in the bond market directly and purchase bonds, and therefore create liquidity by purchasing bonds and stabilizes the, the price of the bond market. Uh, in the u.s the same etc therefore when the uh, the covid crisis arrive what we experience is a liquidity crisis in the bond market in the south africa bond market therefore people are just selling bonds this one is you know very risky because you can end end up in a liquidity crisis The, the after become a Sort of Greek-style crisis that you are not able to refinance anymore, and therefore you you are locked out of the global financial market. And what the central bank is was to apply the quantitative easing to stabilize the price of the bond market. To wait for the storm to pass. This one is in any way in contradiction to the overall objective of price stability and macroeconomic stability. Actually is consistent with this long-term objective because you intervene you do whatever it takes in the using mario draghi uh terminology that now i think is a very important uh terminology moment of uncertainty you do whatever it takes to achieve those objective of macroeconomic stability and price stability yes. this is what essential that's therefore what what we analyze is really even in the paper we then ask okay can we think about this instrument in a more when? When can we use this instrument, or when instead is risky or very dangerous for an emerging market to use this instrument? Mm-hmm. That is a bit the argument that we do. Yes, but this one is what quantitative easing for emerging country has been.
0: Yes, and I think as part of their soul searching, some countries, especially I mean the UK, they've also experimented with macroprudential policies. So it seems as though there's quite a lot of flexibility. And do they fit these macroprudential policies into a similar type of framework?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because because remember that macroprudential policy came about when you discover after the global financial crisis. You knew before, but you forgot. You discovered that the financial system is central for the macroeconomic stability of the system. Therefore. Before we we were thinking about financial stability as an issue bank by bank uh, or almost in in isolation. Therefore, the problem is: Is this bank solvable? Is the other bank solvable? Etc. But after the global financial crisis, you you understood clearly that there is a chain reaction in the financial market that can produce big macroeconomic effect. Therefore, you need to to think about instrument to control this macro-finance interaction uh, in order to guarantee macroeconomic stability and protect your long term objectives of price stability and, and growth. Yes. Therefore, the development of the new tools of macroeconomic stability uh, is again a flexible response to shock the show a problem and then you build up instrument to deal with that problem consistent with what your long-term objective actually consistent with long-term objective is because actually forgetting the macroeconomic effect of financial crisis was a problem of the of how the regime was was set up before because you just forgot this relationship south africa has done is moved quite a lot in the direction of building a sort of macro, macroeconomic uh, Macro financial instrument uh, market prudential instrument as well and there is a lot of a lot of research a lot of work going on in how to, to deal
0: with this issue okay so i think now i'd like to hear more about those winds that you speak of those forces those constraints that are trying to send up send us off track we've got the target that we're trying to achieve and we have a lot of instruments we can use to do this what are those forces that or those constraints the winds that are
1: facing us at the moment All right. we, we, we focus on three uh, on three wins. One is the uncertainty in the international situation international market. for South Africa for the next years it will be hit by a series of positive or negative it doesn't really matter positive or negative uh, international shocks. It is not possible to predict. The situation is is very un- still very uncertain. The second win is um, uh, the second win is the lack of growth in South Africa. Therefore, the question that South Africa cannot or cannot find a way out of stagnation is a significant risk for monetary policy. Uh, for the for the country overall but also for the for, more, for monetary policy because then you have to ask yourself what is the role of monetary policy in a country that is not growing and the third issue is the fiscal policy because the accumulation of debt the risk that is attached by the accumulation of debt uh, impose a series of uh constraint on how monetary policy can and should be conducted uh, going forward therefore this one is the three things the three wins the three main wins that we 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 look at that we analyze
0: so i think the uncertainty the the first one is is definitely we've seen a a lot of it lately and if we consider how we are a small emerging country relative to the world and we have seen how central banks around the world have started to lower their interest rates to a point where some of the interest rates have been negative especially in denmark sweden and switzerland how what are the implications for us as a small country when this happens? And yeah. then, based on like I, when they start to raise the interest rates, what will that mean for us?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we started from the external environment because I think it's not often appreciated in South Africa how much the economic the economic trajectory in uh, South Africa is dependent on what's happening in the rest of the world and is uh, affected by this kind of shock behavior mm. uh, the main uh, channel of transmission there is two channel of transmission between all these policies that you are talking about and the south africa one is the usual trade commodity prices uh, that are affected by this and the other is financial flows capital inflows and capital outflows. Therefore, what we experience as a country is depending what happens in the world, there is uh, an increased attitude towards risk, therefore capital, uh, positive attitude, attitude towards risk, for capital come in, into the country, uh, asset, price, asset price goes up, uh, we are increasing depthness uh, towards the rest of the world and uh, a possible overeating of, of the country. And when there is a situation like COVID or any other kind, or for example, in the in the, in the thing you say, if if uh, the Fed start to increase interest rate, what we will see is the capital will start to outflow, and mm-hmm. therefore we why we will have we will be in a position uh, uh, having to stabilize a ext- a shock of uh, of capital flying away. Uh, these conditions. Are, we expect actually this uncertainty going forward to remain quite high. You already have, uh, you have cited two things. One is uh, the negative, uh, negative real interest rate that we expect for quite a while to remain in Europe and in US. In the paper we present for the next 10 years at least. We will have negative negative real interest rate in these developed countries. This means that we will have a lot of capital searching for yields around the world. Therefore, there will be periods like now that capital come in, and we will see the bond go down. But there will be a lot of bubbling, a lot of bubbles uh, exploding around. Therefore, when things turn against us, we will see very fast capital outflow. And we will be in situation similar to the COVID uh, COVID situation. The valuation of exchange rate, capital outflow, uh, and we will have to decide how we stop this uh, uh, uncertainty outside affecting (laughs) our economic path.
0: So the uncertainty is creating even more uncertainty in the future.
1: (laughs) Yes, Yes. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think we shouldn't almost call it uncertainty. It's the fact that the world economy is changing, it's yes. changing very fast in ways that are uh, unpredictable, both in terms of what we produce, how we produce the value of capital, the price of capital. So there is a huge literature about thinking about robotic, about uh, uh, multipolar world, uh, about... Uh, how uh, how the economy will get out of the COVID, what kind of uh, uh, world economy we will have? This kind of uncertainty are permanent, uh, yes. at least in our lifetime. Yes. If they're permanent, you need to find permanent instruments to deal with those. Uh, that's essentially the main uh, the main story of the paper. Yes. Uh, these changes, this these external uncertainties, not an event is a permanent condition of a small country, open open economy, small country that wants to live in the world economy. And therefore, you have to build defenses. Yes. You have to build a permanent policy that protects you against this. Yeah. So
0: this is uh, sounding very much like one of those uh, strong warships from uh, the ancient ancient times, <laughs> yes. having a strong defense force on yes. the boat. Yes. <laughs> But it's good (laughs) now you mentioned another constraint as being the lack of growth and i think in the south african context this has been structural issues that have been causing this for a long time and recently we've had a few steps in the right direction our president announced that, that electricity can be provided by private sources and also the national airline saa has somewhat been privatized so this is very exciting developments With this, hopefully our economic growth will improve. It sets a very interesting precedent. But why do you say that this economic growth is a constraint to monetary policy?
1: Well, I uh, we look at the low uh, growth as a problem for monetary policy from two points of view. One is sort of technical and one is uh, sort of political economy. The technical one is this. Monetary policy cannot do anything. We argue, actually, the monetary policy really cannot be the main protagonist of uh, an increase in growth. Therefore, we cannot use monetary policy to change the growth path. This one is just for the limit of what monetary policy can do. Printing money is not gonna give you uh, higher growth. Said that is also true. The monetary policy has to be ready to help uh, the country on a growth path if the necessary reforms are made. Uh, therefore, that there must be some element of coordination or uh, attention to the efforts that are done in terms of of, uh, structural change for monetary policy to make the structural change easier. Therefore, in some sense, to have an assignment, the structural change will make the economy more flexible. When when the economy is more flexible, it is important to maintain the engine going at a certain speed for this flexibility to really generate more jobs, really to to stabilize the economy around a higher growth path. And therefore there is this sort of technical thing. A political economy I think is a different issue. That is this one. As long as we remain on low growth like now, sooner or later the agreement or the social uh, contract or the support the political economy support independence of the central bank will be affect. For as long as uh, uh, the growth is low, populist ideas about the nationalization of the central bank, the, the central bank should become some credit institution that provide the money, print money, the quantitative easing for the people. There is all these ideas around. Uh, that is, using monetary policy, the easy instrument that doesn't require structural change, doesn't require change in policy, doesn't require uh, strong debate and conflict, you use the easy instrument to print money and try to generate some kind of uh, uh, of spark in the the economy. That is, I think, a very big risk. Uh, because the independent central bank is not uh you know it's something that is there because is accepted by people Uh, if you vote a government that decide or if uh, it comes into power a government that decide the independent central bank cannot should that the central bank should be used for other reasons you just change the governor you change the people at the top Uh, Argentina is a classical example of a country which independent central bank was never particularly solid. The the governor is changing very often, inflation is at 50%, this one doesn't help at all the growth of the economy. Therefore, it's these two elements. On one hand, when is low growth, what is the role of monetary policy in trying to help the economy to get out of uh, (coughs) of this stagnation? And on the other end is the problem of uh, how long can monetary policy remain independent if the economy doesn't get out of these funk, uh, of these uh, stagnation.
0: Yes, and I think the credibility—I mean, you definitely touch on that in the paper. It's it's a fundamental, it's a fundamental pillow in in the workings of the Reserve Bank. One of the concerns that have been raised, and you've also touched on this in your paper is the increasing government debt and the yeah. you know the fiscal situation that we face what could you say about the role of monetary policy and how it can help us get out of this debt problem
1: you're absolutely right one of the things that create most fog at the moment is what is going to happen to the uh to the fiscal position to the, to the debt and this one has got very big implication for monetary policy because monetary policy can always be used to try to finance the debt. But this one has got implication, a macroeconomic implication in terms of monetization, uh, monetization of the debt can generate very high inflation can destabilize the economy. Therefore, this dynamic, the, how the the conflict or the relationship between monetary and fiscal policy will be resolved going forward, is fundamental for the future stability of the country therefore first you need to look inside the budget what is that you can do to stabilize and you know we, we are just starting the first step in the in this uh, in this process now we are really in a phase uh, that there is something some evidence that we are entering in a phase of fiscal dominance therefore that the fiscal position will determine Really, the whole macroeconomic, macroeconomic, uh, macroeconomic stability. This one will be quite risky for the country. Uh, is also a situation, a period in which fiscal policy is not very effective at all. Uh, that the increasing riskness uh, when you have any fiscal expansion is actually outweighed the increase in expenditure. Therefore, if you if you have uh, some sort of Keynesian uh, uh, idea about f- how fiscal policy operate you know fiscal policy increase the amount of demand in the in the in the economy but this effect is uh, uh outweighed but the increasing risk Therefore, for the increase in risk premium uh, Therefore, the increase in uh, uh long-term interest rate that affects investment the willingness to invest the affect the willingness to consume etc therefore there is almost a more than one-to-one crowding out or any fiscal fiscal expenditure given by the this increasing risk
0: okay. this one therefore
1: is critical
0: yes we definitely look forward to hearing more about that and Nicola, i would like to give you a big thank you yeah. and uh, also let our listeners know that we have a very exciting this is an ongoing project for the next few months and lots of research has been done on this covid work so we look forward to hearing more about it and the discussions on your research will be taking place on the 7th of july we look forward to seeing you all there so thank you nicole is there anything else you would like to add
1: no thank you very much uh, i think uh, i i hope uh, was of some interest and i, and I... And I look forward to further engagement.
0: Yes, definitely. We have just touched the tip of your research. And to all of our listeners, we hope that we have inspired you to think more about this topic. And we look forward to seeing you on the 7th of July. Thanks for listening. Till next time.